Why, hello there, gorgeous little mama you. I am chilling here in my mama's office drinking lukewarm coffee and water, and I just got off the most epic interview, one of my top three favorite interviews of all time with my friend, Sarah Ordo. And y'all, Sarah interviewed me quite a while back on her show, and I became just obsessed with her Instagram, her branding. I loved the fact that she was anti-niche. Yeah, anti-niche. And that she was so multi-passionate. I then became obsessed with the fact that she was self-published and she was doing these incredible things in the world. And she actually inspired me to finally just do the thing with my own journal, with God She Rises. And I had to have Sarah on the show because I wanted her to share with us her sobriety journey, all about self-publishing books. And we just dug in, you guys. I loved recording this so much. So a little bit more about Sarah. She is your not-so-typical millennial girl who is craving making moves and leaving her insane, incredible mark on the world. She does it all. She is seriously one of those do-all-the-things type of people. She's an entrepreneur and the owner of 24 Lux Hair and Makeup in Detroit, an on-location hair and makeup team for wedding and events. She is also a licensed makeup artist, self-published author with seven products out in the world. She is a podcast host of Her Best Effing Life. She's a YouTuber, a life coach, a workshop creator, and most recently, she also does live events. I'm super excited for you to meet Sarah. You're going to love her. What's up, Mama Boss? Welcome back to the Mompreneur Mastermind Show. I'm Stephanie Gass, success strategist and passive income queen creator. If you're ready to step into your God-led potential, create profit from your passions, and capture the success that is already yours, this podcast was made for you. As always, you can find out more and connect with me over at stephaniegass.com. So grab that cup of coffee or fill up that glass of wine and let's dig into today's show. Okay, guys, before we dig into this epic interview, I want to read you the review of the week. Five-star review titled Obsessed with Steph, So Much Tactical Knowledge, left by Pretty Simple Sarah Podcast. Wow, this is the best podcast for tactical tips for entrepreneurship, hands down. I'm in the advertising business and thought I knew it all. Nope, but Steph does. I'm binge listening to all episodes and taking notes. You're an inspiration, Steph. Keep the episodes coming. Thank you, Sarah. This is amazing, and I definitely do not know it all, but I am so grateful that you think I do. You guys, if you haven't left me a review, go do it. That is what lights me up, lifts me up, continues this mission, helps us get these incredible guests on the show, just like our guest today, Sarah. And it's literally the number one way you can thank me for the hours and hours and hours of completely free content that I am putting out into the world to help you grow and better your life. Head on over to iTunes, leave a review, sis, take a screenshot of the show, share it in your stories, and I appreciate you. I am so grateful for you. Thank you. Hi, bosses. I'm pumped. I'm sitting across from my friend, the amazing Sarah Ordo. I was on her show recently, and then I became obsessed with her. Obviously, once you hear her, you will also be obsessed. And um, I asked her to come be on my show because her story is epic. She's super multi-passionate, which lights me up. I think we can be excited about multiple things in our lives and be successful at multiple things. And then lastly, she inspired me to self-publish with God She Rises. You guys know my latest journal, and she has six self-published products, which is 
mind-blowing. So hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to chat about all the things. Me too. And you guys go look at Sarah's Instagram. She is like the most beautiful human and she always looks gorgeous. I'm just waiting for her to have kids so that I can say, look, Sarah, now you look like me. (laughs) I'll be the mom that's like, I still need to go get my lashes done. (laughs) You'll still have the lashes. For sure. I'll be like in labor with lashes on for sure. (laughs) I tried to buy those magnetic ones the other day and I sat, you would have died. Okay. I'm like sitting there with the mirror and I'm like, oh, and they're like hanging off on this. And then I'm getting so annoyed. I walk right back in the store and return them. I'm like, forget it. And my baby lashes are fine. Yes. I hate the magnetic lashes. I I bought them because I was like, let me try this because I'm sure we'll chat a little bit about it. But like, I also do makeup and I was like, let me see this because they're trending everywhere and they were terrible. It was the most they're frustrating so in the world. No, they don't go on right. It's trendy, whatever. It's not going to last. I'm calling it now. <laughs> She's calling it people. You heard it first. Right. So Sarah, start by telling us, they heard your intro in the beginning, but we want to hear your story. You have a great story. Tell us about who you were, who you are today, and all the things that you're doing. Yeah. So I do a lot of things. I'm very multi-passionate, which we will talk on that later because I'm very, I'm passionate about being multi-passionate because I think sometimes people don't think it's possible. But I actually started out way back in my entrepreneurial world career journey thing. I started out, I actually went to school to be a preschool teacher. Really? Oh, and I then, that. Yes. I have an early childhood degree, which a lot of people don't know. (laughs) No, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I was actually, I had gotten my cosmetology license around 18 years old, went to college, got this degree, was teaching preschool and was still working at a salon on the weekends because I just really enjoyed it. And then my first step into the entrepreneurial world actually was I started my business, 24 Lux Hair and Makeup, which is still my main thing, which a lot of people on social media don't see as much. You guys are winning awards like left and right. We are doing very amazing. I'm very grateful about it. Myself and the people I work with are extremely talented. I have amazing people that work with me and so talented. But we started doing on-location hair and makeup. I started that business in 2013. And yeah, we're winning awards. We're doing great. We're busier than ever. So that has been my first journey into this world was I started this business. I was the makeup artist. I organized everything, booked everything. And then where a lot of people started to actually know me on social media from came after I created a YouTube channel. I wanted to be a beauty YouTuber, which everybody wanted to <laughs> be like all? five years ago. Right. So I'm I, like, do you think I could do it? Obviously <laughs> I wear makeup every day, you guys. <laughs> right. So I was really into that for a while. And then what really changed everything was my getting sober, which we will dive into deeper. But when I got sober, I shared a video on YouTube about it when I was 30 days sober and it started to grow and grow and people were reaching out to me and there were comments and it just kind of became this thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, like people really want to hear about this. Like there's a lot of people going through similar alcohol issues, like as I had in my Mm -hmm. 20s. So I started doing that. It kind of naturally led into a blog. I had a blog called SoberAF.com. And then that naturally, well, not naturally, I shouldn't say. I had, <laughs> I had a dream one day that I found, <laughs> I found a book on the floor. And when I picked it up, it was all pictures of me drunk yeah. inside of the book. And then it was like all my words. And so I woke up and I was like, well, I guess I'm supposed to write a book. Oh, I got chills just real quick. That's I crazy. I it love Holy such, Spirit moments. Like I can't. Yes. 
And that yeah. one was the biggest I've ever had because literally I self-published that first book in about four or five months. I was an absolute lunatic. <laughs> um, I released it when I was two years sober. We're the same person, by the way. We really are. As far as our lun- lunacy, yes. getting things done. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, so I self-published that. I immediately knew I wanted to do it again. I loved it. I was living for it. So I now have seven self-published pieces on Amazon and on Kindle. And then all of that just kind of naturally progressed into my podcast, Her Best Effing Life. And then I made that her do of, that, you guys. She's censoring me today. If anyone follows me, they know I swear like a sailor. I'm having to intentionally Sorry, Sarah. Myself. Like, You're welcome. Little children in the car. This is only for you. Okay. Right. This is for the moms driving to school. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I had my podcast. I still do YouTube a little bit. It's not as much of a focus, but my books have been my big thing. I started doing some mindset coaching, some online workshops for women. And then most recently, I started doing live female empowerment events in the Detroit area, which I am so excited about right now. I just booked my biggest one yet that I haven't really announced yet, but it's going to be at the end of this year. And it's going to be big. I'm a little overwhelmed, but I'm very excited. So dude, yeah, that's everything. I love it. Yeah. I think that the rest of your story is so phenomenal because I tried YouTubing and then I moved into Facebook lives and like just similarities between our journey. Talk to us about your sober. I just want to hear a piece of that story. I don't know if it was the generation or what, but like I was in high school in the 2000s, like you know, and then college and like early, well, late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah. But I feel like that generation itself, like everybody was doing what I was doing. So it didn't seem strange to me and it didn't seem alarming to me, but I was your typical party girl. Like had to drink every weekend, had to pregame everything we went to. Same. Had water bottles of vodka in the car when we were going to like the 18 and up club. Like that was life for so long. And everybody just knew me as that person. And I realized very quickly that when I started drinking, I didn't stop. I was your typical binger, but on like a whole nother level. I literally would black out. And most people like pass out when they black out, but I would just keep going. Yeah. And I could drink like an ungodly amount. I am so small. I'm five feet tall. Like I am a tiny little girl and I could drink these amounts of alcohol that were just like disgusting. So I would be completely unconscious, but still functioning. Not, I shouldn't say unconscious, completely blacked out, but still. But but like like in the mode. Doing things, talking to people. Like there would literally be times people would tell me, oh, I saw you at blah, 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 blah. And I wouldn't even remember seeing them. And they'd be like, we talked for like 10 minutes. You didn't get that drunk. Weird, man. Your old recollection. So as you can imagine, that down the line led into drug use. It led to a lot of things happening to me, putting myself in a lot of dangerous situations, a lot of things I wouldn't wish on anyone. And it's so weird because now that I'm out of it and I'm like, I can see it better, I realized how much alcohol was normalizing all the things that weren't okay and weren't normal. But I was able to brush them off because I was like, oh, I was so drunk. This happened. Ha, so crazy. Like, no, those are things. Not okay ruin your life. Like that's not, you know, I don't know how much I can say on here, so I don't want to get too. You can say anything. We just try to bleep out cuss words. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, I just didn't, if children were listening, but like I had like firsthand accounts of like sexual assault, rape, everything where it, and it's crazy to me now because when I look back, I almost 
played it off as, but I was so drunk. Maybe I did act in a way that brought it on myself. Maybe I did like want that person to do that. Like, which is so twisted. Sure. So twisted. that is right. Yeah. No. Oh, so gosh. all of that went on for over a decade, 13 to 25. Yeah. 13 to 25. So I ended up getting sober because I went to a music festival in Detroit that we went to every year. And I did my typical pregame. I drank like quarter, half of it, the tequila. I had taken Adderall. I was taking drinks from people in line. I was getting more drinks when I got inside. And my friend said she actually sat me down at one point and was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like I was just completely blacked out. But when I was blacked out, as I mentioned, like I would do things, say things that I would have no idea, no judgment. So what ended up happening is I took a handful of pills from someone at this festival that I didn't know. Yeah. They like just shoveled them into my mouth. I gave them a wad of cash. I don't know how much money I gave them. I don't know what I, I mean, I know now, but I didn't at the time know what I was taking. And shortly after I completely collapsed on the concrete in the middle of the festival. Oh my gosh. And they took me over to like the grassy area. They thought maybe I just had to like throw up or something. And I was kind of like heaving and they stood me up. And then within a few minutes, I completely collapsed again. So they had to get me to like the medic tent and everything. Then I was taken by ambulance to an emergency room in Detroit. I don't remember. And so everything I like is like pieced back together because no one went with me to the hospital. I was by myself, but I basically woke up in the emergency room and had no idea where I was, what happened, where everybody was, like what was going on. And I was still so messed up though, because they were trying to like flush everything that I was pulling IVs out of my arms and pulling things like wires off of my body and like freaking out. And like the nurses had to come restrain me. And it was crazy, but I found out that obviously I had a very, very high blood alcohol level. I had consumed so much alcohol, but I had also taken a lethal combination of drugs. I had taken MDMA, ketamine, which is literally an animal tranquilizer. Like I had taken all these drugs and my body had so many things that a doctor just told me, he was like, I don't know how you pulled through this. Like you are so small and your body was literally just shutting down on itself. Like it couldn't handle it. And somehow... (laughs) By the grace of God, I to this day, every single day, I'm like, I was kept here for a reason. Absolutely. That's what keeps me doing everything I do and talking about my sobriety because I'm like, I shouldn't be here and there's a reason that I am. Oh my gosh, that story is insane. And it's funny because you're right. My generation was the same. I went through all that same stuff. I would drink and just blackout, blackout, like go to bed. (laughs) Like every weekend for a long time until I, you know, got my life together. But it's funny because of all that was all okay. I think. I think that honestly, like there was, and I think it's getting a little bit better now. I think now it's more of a social thing, but I think back then, like we were so like Jersey Shore was on TV. Like we were watching like all these shows where everyone was just getting plastered and hooking up with each other that like we were in this like partying culture that was so fueled with alcohol. It was insane. I hope that's over because now that I have kids, I'm like, Lord have mercy, please please don't go. Don't do the things that I did. Well, I'm so grateful that in a way we went through those things in your story 
because it's an awakening. And I think like I, one time I, um, I rolled my car and my guardian angel showed up. It was a guy. And I said, I'm going to leave the scene. And I had been drinking. This was back when I was like 18 years old. And he said, no, you have to wait for the policeman to come sit here with me and just breathe. And as soon as the police showed up, I looked to the side and he was gone. And it was my guardian angel. He had come and rescued me. It's crazy. So you had your guardian angel moment. Obviously you're still here on earth. I'm still here on earth. And now we have these missions to help people. So talk to us about how long have you been sober now? And that was your first book. Yes. I have been sober now for four years and three months. There have been times where I've thought, you know what, if I had the willpower to get sober first shot, cold turkey, I didn't go to AA, like just kind of did the work on my own and went to therapy. There's times where I think like, I think I probably would be able to control it now because I've come so far. But at the same time, I ask myself, like, what's the point of trying? What is it going to add to my life? What's it going to do? You know, I'm great. I'm living the best life I've ever had. What's the point in even trying it and playing with fire? Well, you're courageous and incredible for sharing that story publicly. And I think, you know, impacting so many people. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's so hard to be vulnerable and open about things that we did in our past. Maybe we're not super proud of. And so every time I hear somebody just be so open and vulnerable, I know that that was probably the hardest thing ever. That's what changes people's lives though. It's it's sharing the hard. I didn't share that whole story, honestly, until I was two years sober. Wow. And I had all this content about my sobriety and what, how I was going through and stuff. And it was crazy because I felt like at first I didn't want to tell anybody really what happened. And then it was like every like milestone I'd hit, I would like open up a little bit or I would open up a little bit more. But that book was the first time I put all of those details in that book. And it was finally just like, here you go. Like, here it is. So I want to talk about the book because my initial goal for you was to talk about Mm self-publishing, but it's like, it's so hard for me because I get like, I'm so inspired by people's stories that like I get stuck there. I love your story, but I want to talk about how you transitioned into this book. Like, so you had this Holy Spirit moment, this Mm -hmm. dream. What did you do? Did you say like, should I write this book? Did you talk yourself out of it? Did you just sit down at the computer and like, let it flow? Like, how did it all play out? Yeah. So I was already, I had the blog already. So I was already writing like blog posts, Mm -hmm. Um, but I had this dream and I, especially like after I got sober, like I felt like I was just so much more aligned and in tune with my spirituality, my faith, signs from the universe. You know, if God was showing me things, like I was just so open and I felt like I was getting so much during that time. Honestly, never felt more like spiritually aligned than I did in my first two years of sobriety. I think it's just because I was so broken open. I was so open for like anything to help me. And Mm -hmm. I was just very like, okay, like what am I going to do? Like, should I do this? Like, am I going to get a sign? Like, is this going to be good? You're like reborn in a way. Honestly, yes. Basically. So when I had that dream, I immediately was like, okay, maybe I should do this. Like, maybe this is a sign. Like, I don't, I feel like I shouldn't be ignoring this. And so I just started writing and I being a crazy overachiever was like, okay, I'm going to be two years sober in like five months. Like I could do this by then. And I literally every single day, I was single at the time. So it was very easy. (laughs) Every single day I would get up and just start writing. And I would just write and write and write and write every single day. Like I went, I mean, it was a little crazy. Like when I think back on it, it was a little bit ridiculous. Like I was a little psycho about it, but I think it was just such a therapeutic 
process Mm -hmm. to relive it all. I think it was so freeing and liberating to finally get it all out because I had been almost guarding some of what had happened as like a secret and I didn't want people to know. And I was afraid of what they were going to judge me if they knew what had really happened. Mm -hmm. And it was finally that whole like a million pounds off my shoulders. Like I had been holding on to this and hiding this for so long. And when I finally got it all out, it just felt so amazing. I honestly though had a humongous panic attack on my my two year anniversary when I launched the book. And I think it was just everything going on, but it was also at the same time, like everybody's going to know everything now. Like this is it. It's out there. Like it was the most vulnerable moment in my life for sure. You had to go through that to share it though. And then to share it was the call because right. Like that was the dream. It was, you will share this. Yes. Right. And, so, and we're almost, I feel like we're responsible to answer the call from, for me, God or spirit or whatever for y'all that are listening. But you almost have this duty to share this thing. It's terrifying, Absolutely. terrifying. So you write this book. Did you ever get stuck in the how? Like, do I need to find a publisher? Do I need to do this? Do I need to self-publish? Like, were you stuck in any of that mess or did you just write it? I've always been like a very DIY driven person. Like I'm that person that's like, I'm going to do this and you can't tell me I can't. Like Mm -hmm. I've just always had that mentality. (laughs) Are you a three on the Enneagram? I don't know what I am. I'm the only person in the world I feel like that hasn't taken that and I need to. Go take it and I'm pretty sure you're three. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Do it. um, I want to know. Yeah, I'm going to do it for sure. Oh my goodness. Y'all Believe it or not, Podcast Pro University is literally live in the world and there are already students and people are launching their podcasts left and right and I'm blown away at the responses I've had to this course. Do I have you considering starting your own podcast by now? I sure hope so. I wanted you to know that I put together a 45-minute live training webinar that you can come and learn more. Figure out if podcasting might be right for you. I talk about how you monetize a podcast, 10 steps to starting your own show, ways that a podcast can help you grow your brand, and why podcasting has been the number one platform for me and my business in the last 12 months. I'll meet you inside the training. Head over to bit.ly slash 10 steps to podcasting, the number 10, bit.ly slash 10 steps to podcasting and save your seat. So I literally started like Googling and YouTubing everything. Yeah. I figured out how to do pretty much anything on Google. I learned that. Yes, you can. And then I also was a religious follower of Kara Awaleba from the the Champagne Diet. Mm -hmm. And she had self-published all of her books. And I remember her sharing a story about when she decided to self-publish her first book that she put it to 19 publishers and everyone said no. And that was kind of like the fuel to my fire that like, okay, well, I don't have, here I am with this unreasonable timeline yeah. of five months. And I'm like, well, I don't have time to do that. So, <laughs> so we're just, just going to do this myself. thing. <laughs> I'm going to skip that step and I'm just going to do the self-publishing. So I honestly, I just researched everything online. I actually reached out to Kara about a few of the things and she gave me some pointers and gave me some references for people like an editor that I could use. And I honestly like figured the whole thing out along the way. It was a little nuts and crazy, but I, I did it. Somehow. That's so cool. That is so cool. And how is your book being received? I know you have now, I said six, but seven published products in the world. Yeah, seven. Cause my, okay. So sober as F that we're censoring it. 
because uh, that was the first book. And so like that one always is my top seller, no okay. matter what I do, no matter what I put out. Cause sometimes I'll write, like I wrote 30 as F, which was 30 things I learned during my quarter life crisis. And I was so obsessed with that book. I thought it was so good. It was so fun. And I was like, this is going to be my biggest book now. Still isn't like, it's still the silver book. <laughs> So, but I think it just shows like there's so many people connecting with it and connecting mm-hmm. with the story. So that one is still always my top seller. Outsells everything by like multiple times. Like it's crazy, but I have Sober as F, Sober as F, the workbook. And then I just put out my most recent was Sober as F, the daily sobriety tracker and journal. So I yes. have like three components of it now actually, so that people that are going through a sobriety journey have like tools they can also use if they connect with my story. And you don't have to be an alcoholic to become sober. No. And that is, I have talked about that on my podcast before too, because there are a lot of women, which I'm sure you can relate to this a little bit. A Mm -hmm. lot of female entrepreneurs, we are so focused on being our best self, building our best business that we like to eliminate the distractions and the things cloud what we're doing. And I have talked to so many female entrepreneurs that I didn't even know were sober until I had a conversation with them on my podcast or something. And they all just say, I just realized I was doing so much better without it. I had so much more clarity. And that's the thing. I find so many people now that are just making the personal choice to be sober that maybe they didn't even have an issue with it. Maybe they just didn't like the way they felt or the way they acted, or maybe it was making them less productive or not feel as healthy. So there's a lot of people that are sober that don't necessarily consider themselves to be an alcoholic. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I think for me, what happens is, okay, we have this thing. We're going to go do, my husband and I just went out to Flick's brew house, had the drinks and and the thing. And then we went to the brewery. We had another beer. I was out of my game for two days because hello, like I can't hang. Okay. I'm like (laughs) those four beers. I had a stomach ache for two days. I'm like, how? and then of course the anxiety really bugs me. Cause I'm like, I feel like for me, that's like an internal, whenever I'm having anxiety, I know that like, I'm not doing something in alignment for me. Right. So it's interesting because I think you're right. It's think about why you're drinking the alcohol, right. you know, and escape. yeah, it's an escape. Exactly. It's there to, and that's fine, you know, in moderation, all of those things, but if it's not right. in your best interest of your passion project or where you are in your life, it's okay to stop drinking. Right. And I think, you know, if for even me, it's giving myself that permission slip of like, you can be sober and not worry about whatever everybody else is doing. How did that work out? Because did you get any pressure? I'm sure you had all the friends in the world that were drinking so much. Did you have to just cut off your life and start over? So for the first couple months, I was very naive about it. I was very like, I'm just going to stop drinking. I'll just hang out with you guys still. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just not going to drink. Like that was my first couple of months of what I was going to do. Because I was so, like, when you've been that person for so long, it's that's like taking away a part of your identity. Mm-hmm. Which It sounds crazy, but like to me, like I was the party girl. So me no longer being the fun, crazy, outgoing party girl was like, okay, so who am I? Who am I now without this? So I honestly, for the first few months, would go out, same people, same places, dressed up in my sleazy little outfits, you know, to meet guys. Mm -hmm. And I would be the DD and I would drive my friends home at two in the morning. And then I would drive home crying, having a complete meltdown because I was stuck in this, I'm changing my life. I don't want to let go of the past, but I'm also not moving towards my future yet. Like I was stuck for a while there and I did lose one of my best friends back then. We don't even speak anymore. Yeah. So sad to me. And I mean, we outgrow some people, it just happens. But to me, a lot of it was because of our different lifestyles. So, you know, I did lose friends. I basically had to change everything about my life. I remember like the weekend would come and I'd literally be like, okay, what am I going to do this weekend? 
Right. And it's like sad for a minute. It's, like, it's pathetic. When you really think about it, it's like, so because I'm not drinking, I literally don't know what to do with myself this weekend. Like there are so many things you can do. <laughs> and, but for a while <laughs> it was that like, yeah. okay, so what do I do now? And then sure. it got weird. Cause like I was, I was losing friends. It sucked. Like people didn't want to date me because I was sober when I was online dating. Like <laughs> it, it brought a whole new world of obstacles that, honestly, like anyone, especially new in sobriety, like you've got to get really secure with yourself and why you're doing it and why it's important to you, because there's going to be a lot of things that are going to test you or maybe make you reconsider. I mean, I literally, like I put this in one of my books that I literally had someone once I met on a dating app and we were about to meet in person on our first date. Yeah. And the night before he literally texted me at one in the morning and was just, I think he was tipsy. And he said, I just don't think this is going to work because you don't drink. Amen though. Thank and goodness. So he, even, so he wouldn't even meet me. And, and like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, if you can't handle that, then like, you're not the kind of man I need in my life anyways. <laughs> but if people are so like, it's strange to them if they're not used to it or exposed to it. And like, so you will be met with like some weird, weird things. Like sure. it's definitely an interesting road to navigate. I'm pretty comfortable in everything now. There's still some things that will trigger me a little bit, but like in the beginning, figuring it out, oh my gosh, was like a scavenger hunt, like yes. with a blindfold on. <laughs> <laughs> navigate, you know, you got to shed the old to find the new and navigate Absolutely. your way forward, regardless of what you're doing, but I'm sure in sobriety more than anything. Yeah. So talk to everyone about being multi-passionate because you have your makeup yeah. business, your books, your YouTube channel. How do you, and yes, I think you're a three on the Enneagram. You're an overachiever like me. We're the same. We can get so much done in a day. It would take someone else a year to do what we do in a week, right? But how do you manage those things? Do you ever feel burned out and like at your wits end? (laughs) Yes. I have burned myself out many times, Um, especially (laughs) in the past. I have always been the overachiever. Yes. And I think for a while, I I realize now that for a long time, I clung to my success as my I'm doing okay still. So when a bad breakup would happen, I would throw myself into work because at least I'm still successful. And even when at the end of when I was still drinking, it was like, but look at this business I started. We're winning awards. I can't be an alcoholic. I'm doing okay. Like it was that convincing myself I didn't have that big of an issue yet. So it's tricky because- yeah, it's so blinding. Yeah. The things. Yeah. So basically you're telling me you haven't figured it out yet. The answer is not quite oh there yet. So I'm working on it. I've gotten much better now. I challenged it. you when we did our show to turn off oh your social God, media. Not- did you do it? I didn't turn it off, but here's what I do. Because <laughs> I know you baby know, steps, baby I'm steps. Baby stepping. But no, here's what I've been doing. I because I get up super early in the morning and wow. I know I work best in the morning. So I do all my stuff. I get all my stuff done during the day. I'm trying to work on time blocking as well. Good. That's doing better for me. But I set a time where like I usually start to make dinner. We eat dinner like pretty early. I go to bed kind of early. So I usually start making dinner like around four o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I have now I love made, you. <laughs> I know. Baby grandmas unite. I am. I'm such a baby grandma. But I have made myself now, like after dinner, I do not work anymore. That's my new rule. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I know. I'm doing really well with it too. I'm actually like, I started watching Big Little Lies. I'm through one season already. I'm like, look at all this time I have. I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, once I get to dinner, it's like, no, that's it. Because if I was working at a business or a job outside of my home, I would come home and that would be the end of work. You turn so off work. Yes. So that's kind of how I've had to like do it because Good. I have had money burnout. Yeah. yeah. I have in the past. I've 
put too many things on and I've been crying and oh, I just have so much going on. I'm so stressed out. And I think what I've had to do is definitely the boundaries, the time setting, but I've also started like, I love monthly planners. Oh my mm. gosh. So I spread out, like I have all my projects planned for the rest of 2019 and I've already told myself I'm not adding anything else. Good. That's my, that's my rule. That's good. So like you kind of figure out ahead of time what you have going and what you're launching and then stick yeah. to that. Don't. Oh, I know I, each month what's going on. What's happening. Yeah. But I will say I, in the past couple years, cause when we talk about being multi-passionate, like makeup and what I'm doing now are completely different. Yes. And there was a time, and I feel like a lot of people might have this struggle where I went through this stage of, I can't be the best at both of these things. Mm -hmm. So maybe I need to put more focus in this one. Like maybe this one shouldn't be my priority. And there definitely was a time period where my hair and makeup business, I don't want to say took a hit, but it was getting a lot less love and intention from me. And I can see where my business wasn't doing as well there when that was always my main income and my main thing. Yeah. I did have to break through that idea of, are people going to take me seriously if I tell them I'm a makeup artist, but I'm also a self-published author. It's like, like, what, what are you saying? And for a long time, and this is something I haven't talked about in many places, but I'll share it here. For a long time, I realized like if I was doing makeup, and people asked me like, oh, so do you work at a salon too? Or do you just do this? I wouldn't even tell them about my books, my podcast, anything. Wow. You're like hiding a piece of your soul. To these people, I was just a makeup artist. Interesting. And then they would follow me on social media and be like, oh my God, I didn't know you had a book and you had all these things. And I think for a while I thought people wouldn't take me seriously. Yeah. Yeah as a author, if I was a makeup artist or as a makeup artist, if I was a podcast host mm-hmm. and I've really gotten passionate about this idea lately that like you can absolutely be multi-passionate and you can yeah. be good at more than one thing. And I, and this will be so like, people will not agree with this. I effing hate the word niche and I hate mm. the idea of niching down. And I know so many people, so many people swear by it. And I yes. think in a marketing and advertising standpoint, yes. It is mm-hmm. absolutely important because you need to niche down who your client or your customer is. Mm-hmm. But as entrepreneurs, I don't believe in niching down. And a lot of people don't agree with me on that, but yeah. it's like, why should I downplay or push to the side the fact that I'm a talented makeup artist and business owner mm-hmm. because I want people to focus on my books. I'm really kind of feeling that for a second. And I never even thought about that because I'm kind of the same. Like I talk about so many different things and I feel this internal struggle to like, Hey, Stephanie, stay in this little bucket. But I'm like, but I can't, like I need to break. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's what makes us so unique mm-hmm. as human beings. Like you are not just good at being a mom. Right. Right. Like I'm not just good at doing makeup. Like mm-hmm. we have so many things and everybody's talented at so many different things. To me, it's almost like a disservice to ourselves to focus on one thing and be like, well, that's the only thing I can do. That's so interesting. So what about the people that are like, okay, so I'm obsessed with, okay, I want to be a makeup artist and I want to write a book and then I need a workbook and I need, so they're multi-passionate. Do you still tell them we have to start with one thing and start to excel in this one thing before we do something new? I think it kind of works different for everyone. But like when people come to me and are like, I want to do this, but I want to do this. And I'm just like, I've done all those things. You just did it. And you kind of, I think I for it. you, like, you just <laughs> listen to the call of when to do, cause I'm kind of the same. Right. I'm like, when I get an idea or like a Holy spirit moment, cause I, you guys, I was going to interview Sarah to, to teach us how to self-publish a book so that I could self-publish my journal, which she, and she self-published it. <laughs> and I self-published it before Sarah came on my show because I'm insane. 
But I'm the same way. That's how I am. But I'm like, I can't, I can't wait on something once it like, like lights me up. I like have to do it. I like have to. So I love that idea. I'm, that's super interesting. You need to like do something with that. Cause I think that's super cool that you're going yeah. against the grain of what everyone else out there is doing. So look at JLo. That's my look at JLo. I mean, look, just look at her. She's hot first of all, but second she on TV, she can sing, she can amazing. dance. She's an actress. Like she's gorgeous. Yes. She can do it all. Why can't I? <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about what, you know, they can take away from this, which I think for where my audience is, the interest for what you do, because you do so many things and you do them all amazingly, but it's, they have this idea of maybe a book or a workbook or something like this, a tangible product, not an ebook. Where do they start? What do you think now that you've done it so many times, what would kind of be the roadmap that you think somebody should take to be successful in self-publishing? I think like the number one thing is to not take too much time thinking about it yeah. and being like, well, should I do this? And like doing all this research and stuff, like start getting into it early, jump in and start doing something. Yeah. Even if you're just going to open a page on your laptop, you want to write a book, just start writing something. Mm-hmm. Start because the longer you sit there and overanalyze and well, I need to know how to do this first. And I want to know how to do like, you're just going to sit there and waste more time. So I always tell people like jump in, start it. For example, like the live events I was doing, oh my God, two months before my event, I was like, I think I'm going to do a live event. (laughs) And I announced it. I found a venue. I didn't know where the food was coming from. I didn't know where the coffee was coming from. I didn't know who was going to fill the swag bags, who was going to attend, who was going to speak. But I started it and I jumped in, got my feet in, and then you figure it out as you go. You'll get there. And P.S. I'm so mad I'm not closer to Detroit because I had the biggest FOMO I wanted to be at her best effing brunch. And I'm so mad because I want to go. It was so perfect. I'm having, there's a larger event happening in December. Where? Detroit again? Here. Yes. But. Well, send me the deets. Here's my put it out in the universe moment. This is going to be a higher ticket, a larger event that if people wanted to travel, I would say this would be the one to travel for. But my ultimate goal, and I tell people this all the time and they crack up, is I'm like, I want to be like Rachel Hollis. Like she sells out theaters yeah. for her women's like uh, tour that she does rise. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's what I want. Like that's so cool. I want people to buy tickets. Like I bought a ticket. I'm going to her and her husband Rise business conference in November. Fun. I, want, I want people to, cause I have so many people that aren't local that follow me yeah. because of my books. And so when I, I mean, my event sold out, which was incredible, but I had so many people saying, oh my God, I wish I lived there. Oh my God, I wish I was closer. And so I want to create something that is worthy for those people to travel and be a part of as well. So that's, yeah. that's my putting it out there moment. That is so cool. Yes. Send me info. And if you need speakers, let me know. I just might. I just might. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> so, okay. They write this thing, like get it out of your body, right? On paper. What's the next step? You have this rough draft. Did you, do you think that they should get an editor for your first product? And then where do you go to get the book put together? And how does that work? So I did a lot of mine DIY, but I did outsource a few things. So I did use an editor. I was referred my editor by Kara Allwoolley, but actually, right. and I love her. She's great. But there is a website called Readsy. It's R-E-E-D-S-Y.com. And you can go on Readsy and it's basically like, I don't want to say a Craigslist because I feel like Craigslist is a little sketchy, but (laughs) people can post what they do, like pitch their services. 
So you can go on there and look for an editor, a formatter, a book cover creator, anything. And you can request a quote from people on there. Like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. What is your price? You can compare quotes. That's actually how I found one of the two book cover designers that I use was on Readsy. And I've used her for four of my books now. Mm-hmm. But Readsy is a great place to find people to outsource stuff because you can do it yourself. Some of it's just easier to not do yourself. So for me, editing was obviously I needed someone on the outside to edit. And like my covers, I definitely wanted someone to design a cover for me. So there are people you can outsource things. Absolutely. It's going to cost you some money. Just know up front, you're going to be investing a little bit of money if you do that. But for me, outsourcing the things I didn't know how to do as well as I wanted them to be was what I did in that one. Yeah. And then KDP, right? That's where they would go to yes. so self-publish. There, yes. There used to be CreateSpace and KDP. CreateSpace okay. used to be for paperback books. KDP was for eBooks on Kindle. Mm-hmm. So KDP like bought CreateSpace, I guess. CreateSpace is no more. So everything's KDP. KDP, honestly, once you really get into it, it's pretty like step-by-step. Here's what we need. Here's what we need. Here's what we need. And there's a lot of resources on there. They have like the help forms you can go in. Mm -hmm. And then honestly, I Googled a lot. Yeah. A lot of things. I actually found templates for my formatting on CreateSpace, which I'm sure KDP has to have something similar. I just haven't looked because I already had them. But yeah, where you would just like plug in your stuff to their formatted like Word document, Mm -hmm. your book. So KDP is pretty easy to work with. I'm interested to see like how they're going to change things because there is some stuff with KDP with paperback books that isn't the same as eBooks, which is a little inconvenient and weird sometimes. And one thing that I hate, and I'll just give you guys a heads up, is I always set a release date. Yeah. And then you have to submit it though, and it can take up to 72 hours to get approved. Right. So for me, that's always been like an anxiety situation because I'm like, I've been promoting this date (sighs) for months. And I literally, I think it was the, the 32 bad ASS things about being sober book. <laughs> I didn't know how to talk to that one. Um, <laughs> that one, when I submitted it, there was an issue because some of the pages were black instead of just white. Like I made uh-huh. a black background. Okay. And it got denied like the day before it was supposed to be launching. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like it's supposed to be out tomorrow. Like, no. And so I had to literally call KDP. I'm like, I need to figure this out. What do I do? And it was like something weird with the page size that I had to go back and change all the page sizes. Oh my gosh. And so like literally on the day of the launch, I was like posting Insta stories like, you guys will let you know as soon as it's live. I'm hoping it's going to be live later today. Like just chaos. But I'm hoping KDP gets more, just because so many more people are self-publishing now. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping they're going to make it a little bit more like user-friendly. So you can do like, pre-orders for paperbacks and schedule an actual release date and not have to guess on it because there are a lot of people like exploring the whole self-publishing world now. So totally yes. like get on top of that. I agree. But it was actually not a horrible process. It's really not. It wasn't once that you, bad. Yeah. Once you get into it and you kind of figure it out, it's, and now that I've done it like several times and keep doing it for me, it's like so easy now. And so what about, leave us with like a couple tips for, you have this idea for a book, you self-publish something, a paperback. How did you launch it? Do you have any like killer strategies for launch or how do you keep promoting, you know, your one book that keeps selling and doing incredibly well? Where are most of your sales coming from or what are your strategies behind that? Yeah. So one thing that's very important to remember, and I've shared this so many times on my content is when you self-publish, like you have nobody. It's just 
You don't have a publishing team pushing it. You don't have a PR person. You don't have advertise. Like you don't have anything. So the only way your book is going to do well is if you make sure that it's doing well and you do the work to make sure it's getting out there and people mm-hmm. are seeing it. So for me personally, social media has been free and the best way to get my stuff out there. And if you are good at like self-promotion, if you're good at selling something, if you've been in like MLM or anything like that, you already have like a foot in the door because you know how to sell and how to advertise. But like, I just, I am like a serial content creator. So like my podcast, people find me and then they buy my books, my Mm. YouTube channel, people find me and then, Oh, she's got books. Okay. And you know, being on other people's podcasts, people will hear my story and be like, Oh my God, I want to hear what she books. I'm going to, I want all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you can do live videos on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram for me is hands down my most valuable advertising source That like, for example, not even for self-published books, but just to like paint a picture like that live event I did that sold out two weeks before the event was even happening. All of those tickets came from Instagram. That's so cool. And stories versus feed. Don't you feel like stories is life? Stories Stories is life. I love stories. If anyone follows me, I am on my stories all day, every (laughs) day. Me too. I love stories. But yeah, stories are something I've always done. And it has helped me a lot, especially with like launching my books. Like for example, when I wrote 30 as F. This was my fourth, fifth thing I put out. I don't remember exactly. But for that one, I was like, okay, I had everything ready like a month and or maybe two months in advance. And I was like, I'm going to push this thing heavy on social media. So like even the whole time I was writing the book though, I would post little like page previews where I would mm-hmm. show like a paragraph and I wouldn't say what it was. And so people were probably like putting two and two together. Like, oh, she's writing something. Yes. But I would share little things like that. I would share like a preview of what, like what a chapter name was. I actually made a YouTube video of the photo shoot where I did the photo shoot for the cover of that book. Yes. So I shared that. So like people were getting to see so much behind the scenes of it that they were like, oh my gosh, like there's this book coming out. She's shooting this cover for this book. And then I did a like release weekend thing where I, um, I got the idea from Alex Beaton, who is like amazing with advertising and marketing mm-hmm. on social media, but she would launch an online course and she would do something where she would put up everyone's name that was buying it so that mm. they could see their name on like the list. And so I got pink post-it notes and they've become quite infamous on my, <laughs> on my uh, Insta stories now, but like I literally, anyone that pre-ordered an e, uh, ebook Kindle copy of 30 as F, I would write their name on a post-it note and I would put it up on my closet as like two big mirrors, like a wall. Yeah. And I would put their name up and I literally had a like branded like theme song behind it. And it was Madonna that like I would, anytime I was putting up a name, I would have that song playing. I love it. I would it. have the hashtag and then release weekend. Cause you can't, you can't do a pre-order on paperbacks mm-hmm. release weekend. I had everyone that was ordering, send me a screenshot of it. And then I would put their name up on my wall. And on release weekend, I had almost a hundred names up on my wall and people so cool. were sharing it. Like, here's my name. There's my name. I just ordered this, but like, it was, I like went hard on the marketing for that book. And it was so fun though, because people were so invested in it. They Mm -hmm. saw the photo shoot. They saw me getting the covers made. They saw me writing the book. They saw me doing all these things. And so it really drew them in and they remembered it and were like, oh yeah, I want to buy that book. So social media, like Instagram is worth its weight in gold when it comes to advertising yourself without even spending money. Those tips are such gold. I love those tips. And it's the behind the scenes, I think too, like draws people in on a whole nother level, just not 
here's the book. It's like, but look, watch, be a part of the process with me. And it draws them in at this whole nother level. So, oh my gosh, mind blown on a bajillion levels. I could talk to you for 72 hours. We're best friends. Thank you. Goodbye. No, (laughs) I just love Sarah so much. I hope you guys learned as much from her as I did. Sarah, where can everybody find your books, check out your show and connect with you? Yeah. So my website is sarahordo.com. If you look me up on Instagram, my handle is 24lux underscore Sarah. But if you look up Sarah Ordo, you'll find me. My website pretty much has links to everything, but my podcast is called Her Best Effing Life. All my books are on Amazon, Kindle, barnesandnoble.com. I'm on YouTube under my name, Sarah Ordo. And then, well, my events, I can't say the swear word, but it's (laughs) herbestfingbrunch.com is where those are. But yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere. So you'll, you guys will find me. I'm sure <laughs> the funnest thing ever was challenging Sarah to bleep out all of the cuss oh words because her entire brand, <laughs> I love it. it's all I love profanity. It. I love it so much that, well, you did so great. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. I really tried. <laughs> all right, my friend, thank you so much, Sarah. And I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you for having me. If you like Mama Soap, leave a review. Pretty peace. Hey, Mama, real quick before you go. If you found value in today's podcast and you learned something new, take a screenshot for me, post it up in your Instagram stories, and be sure to tag me because together we can empower, educate, and shift the way that mamas look at life because, sister friend, we actually can have it all. Let's claim it.